are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Health IT for Wednesday, April 22nd, 2021. So let's just get right into it about some of the news in healthcare IT this last week. First thing I want to talk about is Fitbit. Fitbit looks to close diversity gap in research with new health equity research initiative. So Fitbit's trying to put research tools in the hands of traditionally underrepresented um, early career researchers to try to empower investigations to health disparities. Basically, researchers who are going to be looking at health inequalities in underserved populations, they will be awarded up to $500,000 from the Health Equity Research Initiative. And as you know, Fitbit has a huge amount of data. Uh, there's a platform called Fitabase, which is uh, one that bridges the gap between the wearables and clinical research by taking the data out of the devices and then uploading it into the Fitabase portal for interpretation. So kind of cool. I mean, I, I think it's cool that, you know, they're promoting this. It is a little bit controversial to say in that Fitbit already has this huge amount of data that's out there because everyone's using it. But, you know, as you're using it, I'm not sure how many people really understand that this data is actually being contributed to this whole database so that it's being used in that way. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I am curious about like what kind of outcomes they can reach with, uh, you know, these kind of incentives for people to research inequalities in underserved populations. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is like how exactly are providers going to be striking the balance between in-person care and telehealth? And uh, this was something that the chief policy officer, Sean Cavanaugh at Alidad or Alidade, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce it, and former deputy administrator and director of CMS, uh, he provides some insights into like how virtual care can be post-pandemic. This is actually something I'm pretty interested in how they're going to be doing too. Um, because like just for me as a consumer of healthcare, it's kind of interesting to see like even my own providers, how they're deciding between who gets telehealth versus who actually has to come into person. So just for a personal example is that my provider will not take telehealth visits unless it is a uh, person that is uh, having COVID symptoms. And then those are going to be prioritized for telehealth where everyone else will be asked to come into the office. And it's not like that everywhere because I also have a different service where I use it's only through telehealth and it's actually through a messaging app. So um, it's really interesting to see like where things go. But there is this article on healthcareitnews.com where Kavanaugh is uh, interviewed and answers several questions about telehealth usage, you know, during the pandemic and what, what it looks like post pandemic. So I'll put a link to that article into the show notes so you guys can actually check it out. It is a uh, kind of long, so I didn't want to like talk about all of it today, but it's something that I think you guys should look at if you're interested in learning more about where we can go from here. All right, the next thing I want to talk about is Cerner. So Cerner is going to be providing life insurers access to their 54 million patient records. So a company called MIB, it's a data and analytics company that partners with life insurers. They just announced that they're going to be able to work with uh, Cerner to get access to 54 million patient records. And this agreement is going to be helping them get um, more access to the medical records through Cerner's technology, through the patient portals and all of that stuff. So again, access to data is kind of like kind of scary to think about, but at the same time, it is also being used for healthcare purposes. So it's it's a little bit controversial in the sense that uh, this company is going to be partnering with Cerner so that life insurers can accelerate how they're going to be doing their policy underwriting for applicants who actually give consent. So it's very important that, you know, that's mentioned is that there must be consent here. So at least it's not like just taking data without the consent. 
And in related news to this is that, you know, Epic, its competitor, Cerner's competitor, has also had a connectivity collaboration with Humana, which is um, not related to life insurance, but it is going to be related to prior authorizations and claims processing. Next thing I want to talk about is Congressional Watchdog issues recommendations for VA IT system overhaul. So the agency has been attempting to replace, you know, the decades old financial system with an integrated one for years and years and years. Uh, it's, you know, I, I think everybody knows by now that the VA has been trying to do this big change. So the U.S. Government Accountability Office in the U.S., obviously in the U.S., um, is they issued a report this week that they're making recommendations on how the VA can actually modernize their programs. And of course, you know, this kind of rolls into the whole modernization efforts of even just getting Cerner implemented. And there is a lot of scrutiny and controversy about the rollout for Cerner in Washington State with the VA. Um, so one of those things that you just kind of keep looking at and see what kind of results that they're going to have. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Hims is offering recommendations on the role of digital health in vaccine distribution. So as you know, the vaccine is being rolled out to uh, across the globe, not just in the U.S., but everywhere. And, you know, to say the least, it's been challenging. So there's been a proposal to have digital vaccine passports. And of course, having these kind of things means more standards and specifications in order to have like some kind of interoperability present. So just uh, some of the recommendations for immediate actions from HIMSS is to capitalize on uh, HIT and data systems to support globally coordinated comprehensive COVID-19 vaccination plans. Um, also to exercise regulatory flexibilities and enforcement uh, discretion to ease burden, adopt an all-hands-on-deck approach to vaccine distributions and administration, and emphasize the importance of interoperability, like I said earlier, about data sharing in the broader vaccination effort. And there's also longer term plans to uh, also generate digital vaccination credentials for every individual, also establish a formal feedback loop for COVID-19 related tools and technology, and develop a national patient identification strategy. So that's big. That last part is really, really big to have a national patient identification strategy. But yeah, so those were the news items from this week. And of course, before we end the episode, just wanted to remind you guys to uh, check out healthcareitnews.com. If you want to check out more healthcare IT news, that's where I get most of my information about what's going on in the field. Right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy. And me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal.